You're tuned in to Note Self on Ross FM 94.6, presented by Adam O'Dwyer. Note Self is on the airways every Friday between 10 and 11 a.m. Tune in on rossfm.ie forward slash live. That's Note Self, presented by Adam O'Dwyer, on the airways every Friday between 10 and 11 a.m. Only on Ross FM 94.6. morning and happy Friday. You're listening to Note to Self on Ross FM. I'm Adam O'Dwyer and I'll be with you for the next hour. Today is the International Day for Persons with Disabilities and in honour of that I have two very special guests joining me. Ross FM's very own Margaret McHugh or Mags as we call her and Gary Kearney the founder of the Purple Lights Disability Awareness Campaign. All that is coming up, but as always, we're going to start the show off with some music. This is Modern Love by David Bowie. This is Note to Self with Adam O'Dwyer on the airways every Friday morning. As I said at the beginning of the show, there are a couple of guests joining us today because it is the International Day for Persons with Disabilities. If you're out and about today, you might see a lot of purple to mark the occasion, and the founder of the Purple Lights campaign is going to be on shortly. But first, I'm joined by Margaret McHugh, who is a vital part of the Ross FM team. And on top of being a fantastic and supportive friend, she's also lived most of her life with a disability and has fought hard to get everything she's achieved. So, Mags, would you mind just talking about what your actual diagnosis is? My diagnosis is Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. It's a connective tissue disorder and I was diagnosed with it back in 2018. But actually I probably spent uh, 16 years before that going in and out of hospitals. I've had multiple surgeries on both my knees. I've cortical screws and wiring in my knees to keep my knees in place. So basically my tissues are like elastic and most syndrome comes in many different forms and everybody suffers from different side effects and mine happen to just affect my mobility in the sense that it's very much related to my musculoskeletal system and recently in the last maybe two years I've probably had some problems with my speech and just you know some cognitive issues you said that you were actually diagnosed quite recently, but you've been going in and out of the hospital since you were quite young. When did you first um, start feeling the effects of the illness? I probably really, when I was six years of age, I would be playing football with my brother or just, you know, running around like a kid would. And for some reason, my knees would dislocate and I'd fall flat to the ground. And, you know, it was quite severe pain and you know I couldn't even put it into words to describe what that pain is like but you know it could cripple me for a few days I might be limping and my knee would inflame after it had dislocated and it, it happened quite regularly it would happen maybe once twice a week and for the first maybe two or three months you know I suppose every parent would think well the child is just being clumsy she's fallen over herself but Probably after four or five months, I went to the doctor at home and it was common. And she said to me, you know, you have 
uh, patella luxation and I said what's patella subluxation and she said well your kneecaps are loose and she said to me I'll have to refer you to Tullamore so I started going to Tullamore when I was 8 in 1998 and I left in 2017 and transferred over to Dublin Kappa Hospital and that's when I was diagnosed with this Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome so I spent possibly over 20 years going in and out of the middle of regional hospital until more and I had probably 13 or 14 operations in total over those 15 years, 20 years and a multitude of physio that sometimes lasted six months, a year, a year and a half. How has it affected your life? Were you able to go to school every day and, and go to college? How did actually living with all of those surgeries and, and hospital trips actually impact you? It, it impacted me in the sense that I suppose, you know, a lot of my childhood was based around going in and out of hospital. You were seeing a lot of different people who were sick, who had maybe cancer, broken hips, broken legs. It, it very much was an adult world. So I was a child that was very much thrust into an adult world or thrown into an adult world, sorry. It, it was it was hard to sort of understand your surroundings. Uh, at eight years of age, you know, you're seeing people with cancer, you're seeing people with other diagnoses, and, you know, it's hard to wrap your head around it. So you were taken out of your ordinary sort of childhood world and put into a adult world and I was spending a lot of time with doctors and surgeons and nurses so really like my life was very much based around the foundations of the medical world and you sort of become institutionalized and I was partly raised by the medical world I always say you know that most of my lessons life lessons were not from school they were from spending 15 or 20 years in out of hospital, especially in Tullamore. And like, I missed out on some education. I actually remember when I went into secondary school to start first year, I missed probably a year and a half of secondary school. Did you find it difficult to relate to people your own age at that point? I, I probably did because just... I think your mind is like a sponge and by the time I had gone to secondary school and missed a year and a half, you know, I was going back into a place where people had already, like people my age had already formed friendships because, you know, when you go to secondary school with everybody, you're starting off first year, that's where you start to form your friendships maybe for those six years. So, like, I hadn't that chance to form those friendships. So, like, I was back in probably into second year and, like, you know, I was quite at odds and felt disassociated with that environment because I didn't understand any other environment, only hospitals and doctors in sort of white coats and with stethoscopes around the neck and asking you, you know, does it hurt here, does it hurt here? You know, taking multiple x-rays of your musculoskeletal system. And, you know, you kind of pick up on that environment and you start to you start to become embedded into that environment. So, like, I understood everything about suffering and other people's suffering, but I didn't understand probably the basics of, you know, how the education system worked from secondary school onwards and how, you know, you were meant to form friendships. 
it must have been quite difficult for your family as well going through particularly with the surgeries it was because I, like I was dependent on you know my father and that to bring me to hospital and you know he had to take time off work and you know that had to maybe once or twice a week and I was dependent on other relations to bring me to physio so there was a constant pressure there like for people to be my care or be my taxi service and I suppose just a worry too of you know where where this all was going to end and what was you know going to become of my future. That must have been quite scary for yourself as well. What At that point, when you were in, in secondary school and you were going through those surgeries, were you thinking much about about your future? And Because and, at that point, I suppose, for most people, they're thinking about college and careers and what they want. What was going through your head, if you remember? Probably when I was in secondary school, I, I wasn't thinking about my future because my future was so uncertain. I didn't know where all these operations were going to end, like what was going to become of me. I suppose, you know, I, I had some kind of severe accidents through my knees dislocating and I, I fractured my skull two or three times and I ended up in hospital for weeks and it affected maybe my memory. But that was because I think I've done high, such a high dose of medication and and I had just sort of got so many knocks to the head because you know, when your knees go out from underneath you, you're literally, you know, have no support. You're going to fall flat on your face or on your, you know, hip or leg, or you're going to hit some part of your body severely if you fall from a height. Um, you know, I, I probably really wasn't thinking about my future or college. I was just um, so disassociated with what would people consider a normal environment that I all I was thinking about really was kind of, hospital getting through each day you know my mind often would wonder to the people I saw in the hospital who were suffering from cancer and stuff like that and what would become of their lives so I was never really thinking about the future because I didn't see a future like why do you think it took so long to get a get the correct diagnosis it's a question like I asked recently when I was diagnosed in 2007 why it took from the age of eight and 1996 up to like 2017 to get a correct diagnosis and I never really got a proper explanation only that my condition is so rare there's about a thousand people in Ireland suffer from it and that it's, it's hard to diagnose and that it's only in, in the recent years that basically the medical world have become familiar with what it is and how it affects people and when I was in Tullamore I suppose they just assumed when I was young, that sh- there was something wrong with my knees. But see, as I got older, I started to get a bit of scoliosis in my lower back and I started to get other side effects. And it really was only in 2017 where I started getting a multitude of side effects that probably really brought my um, diagnosis to the fore because there was a multitude of things happening, on things that you know I couldn't explain, but things my doctor couldn't yeah. explain. It became more clear that, that that's what it was. Yeah, it became more clear because like, I was having problems maybe with my speech. I was having a lot of muscle contractions. I was in a lot more pain, uh, like in my arms and legs. And just, I, I felt very disorientated. And, you know, you'd feel sick. And there was, like, there was just different things happening in the space of a year to my system that, you know, needed 
more investigation and it took it took a good year of tests and different doctors and different specialists to just come to a diagnosis because it was such a rare condition it made it more difficult difficult for them to kind of spot the symptoms and to be able to separate the symptoms from other diagnoses what's it like living with it day to day how does it affect like your mobility and, and how you actually go about your daily life the thing with my sort of life day to day life on my diagnosis is in general from the point of view of my, my mobility like I like you know I, I have lost the ability to run probably I lost that when I was 16 years of age I had to quit all sports so, you know I had to stop everything in general, like I, I wouldn't walk too far. My car was adapted there in 2017 because I no longer uh, could drive a manual car. I had to get an automatic car, but it had to be adapted. So there's a hand control and the steering wheel. In relation to possibly going places, you know, I would have to find out whether there was stairs or whether it was ground floor. I wouldn't do a lot of climbing up and down steps and. I suppose, you know, I just have to be so careful. Like, you know, people of my age go out and go to the pub and have crack and discos and, you know, they don't think about their mobility. But I have to be always kind of thinking about where I'm going, what I can do, you know, not to damage myself. You know, in relation, I suppose, to my speech in the last two years, you know, my speech would have been affected. It still is in the sense that, you know, I would stutter and... My words would be delayed sometimes. And again, the thing with my speech and cognitive issues, you know, it's not a day-to-day thing. It's very much, you could be fine for three or four days and then for the next two days, you know, you know there's changes going on in your brain. You know you're struggling maybe to get your words out. And, you know, again, that is a challenge in itself. But, look, I, I've seen people with my condition who are in far worse positions, who have been wheelchair bound, who, you know, have had to have 20 or 30 surgeries, who've lost their ability to speak, you know, who can't eat properly, who've had to get ventral tubes, who've had to get operations on their back, on their kidney, you know. So I always say, you know, I've been quite lucky in the sense it really hasn't, been that destructive yet to me. A couple of months ago we had a person on the show who was speaking about people living with visual impairments and some of the things people don't realise affect them in their everyday. Is there anything that affects you on a day-to-day basis maybe people could be more sensitive to like uh, for example maybe people parking their cars on the, the sidewalk and things like that? Uh, like parking is an issue people parking above on footpaths and blocking the way and I suppose this disability day is about raising awareness I think people's perception like you know people from the distance would look at me and go well sure she she's walking I don't see what's wrong with her and you know I get a bit of that from people and I'd always say to people you know just because you see somebody walking doesn't mean that they aren't you know suffering from a condition yeah. that they aren't in pain and I suppose it's just it's probably that and I think you know people who don't understand my diagnosis probably would kind of wonder what the speech thing is about and kind of the days where I would say you know cognitively you know my memory might be a bit affected and 
I'd be sort of, my head would be very clouded in the sense that if somebody was having a conversation with me, it's not that I'm not taking it in. Yeah. But, you know, if I'm struggling cognitively and my brain is, um, the muscles and the tissues are affected, well then, don't assume, well, she's very uneducated, that, you know, she's obviously not listening. Like, I, I'm listening, but the reality is because of my condition, it, it mightn't be going in, or it is going in, but because I'm in a different headspace, it's, it's going to be processed differently, and then maybe not going to process it all in that day. You know, so I kind of, you know, I find that with certain people, like, they kind of just kind of look at me sometimes and go, like, what is going on with her? And it's like, I understand what you're saying. I, you know, I do be processing it, but it's very much in a different way. And I always say that, you know, you don't know what's going on in my head. I don't know what's going on in somebody else's. It's like I have to work with the difficulties my brain are having within that moment when you're having a conversation with me. So just because my face might stay the same doesn't mean that, you know, there's a difficulty in my brain that my, you know, my, my brain is finding it hard to process all you're telling me. And it's very much the theme of Disability Day this year is uh, like invisible disabilities and that it's not always easy to tell when people are living with with disabilities. Exactly. And like, you know, I would consider my disability sometimes invisible and because maybe sometimes it's invisible, people don't want to see it or don't see it because it's a bit hidden. So, you know, I, I would just say to people like, you know, you just think because you don't really know what's going on in anybody's life. You don't know what their diagnosis is. You know, nobody goes around with a T-shirt going, I suffer from heart disease or I suffer from Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, sorry. Like, nobody really advertises their medical condition on a, on a hoodie or T-shirt and starts walking around the street with it. Exactly. Thank you so much, Mags. It's time for a break now. When we come back, I'm going to be joined by Gary Kearney the founder of Purple Lights, who is going to talk about the campaign and his journey becoming disabled later in life. This is Adam O'Dwyer with Note to Self on Ross FM, and I'll be back after this. Welcome back. In case you're just tuning in, I'm Adam O'Dwyer, and this is Note to Self. You can listen live every Friday morning on Ross FM, which is available worldwide on the Ross FM webpage. Or catch up later by downloading the podcast version from Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts and Radio Public. Today we're celebrating people living with disabilities and their contributions. Before the break we had Ross FM's very own Margaret McHugh. And joining me now is Gary Kearney, the founder of Purple Lights, a disability awareness campaign that are lighting some of Ireland's iconic landmarks purple and asking people to dress in their finest purple attire. Thank you, Gary, for joining me. You've done a lot for the disabled community, and I know you actually won an award at Ablefest. I was happy with that, but I have articles and stuff like that, and I won the Hack Access Award, Hack Access Award in Dublin and stuff like that. So all of that's there, not to say look at me, I'm brilliant, but to remind me, I've had some success. Yeah. Because in disability activism and advocacy, you don't win that often. No. You don't win a lot at all. You don't win a lot. So, like, if you get a win or you get an article or you get so or you get something, you, you, you stick it up there to remind yourself that when you're being buried by a ton of political stuff. 
that actually reminds me of a clip I seen of yourself on Facebook where you said something along the lines of we don't do this for pity and we don't do this to inspire people. It's just to sort of show that people with disabilities are out there. Like yeah, you're it, celebrating it, your it, accomplishment. It's not trying to be, you know, no, like, it's just, it's just to remind me that, Hey, I made a difference. Yeah. I'm not, I'm after, I am somebody that does good. I'm not always wrong. I'm sometimes right. I'm, and it's, it's like purple lights is all about that. Most people, they read, they, they wheel out a person. Ah, guys, that's terrible. Oh, I gotta do it the other way. Look, 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 this wonderful person can tie the shoelace. Yay! That's yeah. not what it's about. We're about people. We're about the community. We're here with the biggest minority in the country. And if we have our families and friends and people that work with us and people that work for us or help us, it's a huge amount of people. So today, Purple Lights is about celebrating us as a people, as people, not as, it's just we happen to be people with disabilities or disabled people, whichever you prefer. There's an argument over that. The only other people, you know, you know the, 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 the politics of disability pop your eyes out. But, um, you know, it's, it's about people and we're people first. And, you know, 90% of the time, if something's in, if, if you can't access something, it's not because you're disabled, it's because it was designed wrong. You know, um, it, 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 if something is awkward, it's not because it's your fault, it's because nobody asked you what would work for you. And, and the other thing about disability inclusion and access, if it's accessible to people with disabilities, it's accessible to everybody. Older people, people with buggies, people with toddlers, people with less mobility, you know, it's, 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 it's good for everybody. And that's what Purple Lights is about. It's to start the conversations that the girls included from the beginning, not a box to be fixed at the end. And to have fun. Because people don't reckon people with disabilities, you know, they don't understand the people with disabilities. Most of the people with disabilities I know have a wicked sense of humor. Yeah. Absolutely wicked. If you don't laugh, you cry. Crying all the time is wrong. I mean, one of the things about acquired disabilities it's like you're trying to get into this new life and, and you can spend, I, I, like it was eight years before I got my head around. And, and that's about normal. Yeah. Yeah, because like I had a life and then it was taken away from me and I just knew life and I didn't know anything about it. I didn't want it. I didn't like it. I, like, I'm, I'm 57, I'm 57 plus 12, I'm 57 and I'm 12. This me is 12. This year, this life I'm living now is 12 years old. Yeah. So like it is, but you develop a dark, dark sense of humor and sarcasm. Well, as a dog, I have that anyway. And my family have a renowned dark sense of humor. Right? I mean, we are really dark. Sitting around sitting around a kitchen table with my family is... Uh, sitting around a table with my family, you want to have skin like a rhino because yeah. you're just going to get savage, slaughtered, absolutely murdered. Yeah, I think I come from a similar background. Yeah, and there's no badness in it. People around us go, we can't say that to your brother. Why not? It's down all the time. Yeah. But he's paralyzed. I said, you hear what he said about me and my brain injuries? Are you sure it's not only 12 years ago? But like, it's, 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 it's called crack. Yeah. The idea of purple lights is to celebrate people, to celebrate us, and to start the conversation. And it's funny enough that uh, the government, the, the change of government was a, a massive surprise the way it worked out. But it's actually worked out very well for us in one way. 
we have a dynamite minister for disabilities. The woman is dynamite. Yeah? Oh, yeah, she's brilliant. She's absolutely brilliant. She asks us. Right, people say, oh, this should be done, that should be done. And I go, yeah, she's doing it. Oh, it's not fast enough. I said, you know what it takes to get it this way? And she's absolutely brilliant. I, I mean, she came on my show. Oh, yeah? I was at, I was at a meeting or something. I mean, yeah, I was at a something, and I said, oh, you're more welcome on the show. And she said, yeah. I said, I'm not joking. She said, neither am I. So I interviewed her on Zoom, because that's how we do our shows now. Yeah. I interviewed her on Zoom, and she's sitting in the office with the ministerial flag, with the flag behind her. And all. So I did the whole guest minister, no minister, techie minister stuff. And we finished, and she, she said, you can't. I, I said, minister, she said, you can't, yeah. So after that, it was on this, and that, and the other. But he talked for about 45 minutes after the show. Brilliant. I'm, uh, I, like, I was on the whole person secondary today. He was on to me earlier. I, I, she tags me in tweets. I tag her in tweets. She's absolutely brilliant. She listens to the people that are the experts. But you It's annoying how rare that is, isn't it? It's unique. Yeah, it is, yeah. People say to me, oh, she's terrible. I said, what? She hasn't done this. I said, she hasn't, that hasn't been done for nine years, eight years. She's actually got people talking about it now. She's got the two departments involved cornered. I said, you don't understand it. The Minister for Finance and the Minister for Justice has been blocking this for eight years. She's already boxed off two of the biggest ministers in the government into a corner on her own, and she's a junior minister. So I, I'll order the bitch. And she's cooked crap, yeah. too. She has that mentality of one and one makes two. Yeah. Not one and a bit, or two and a bit, or almost two, it makes two. So it's, give me the facts, tell me what I need to know, and then I'll make a decision. Well, the biggest problem of all with disability inclusion and disability access and disability equality is starting a conversation and making people aware of the conversation. Why did you pick purple, can I ask? Like, what was the, the motivation? Purple. purple is the official colour. Oh, really? Okay. It used to be, there was, it was, it was the yellow and lavender or yellow and something or other. Yeah. But I googled it up, I checked the UN, I checked everything, and purple. And it makes perfect sense because everybody loves purple. Yeah. Except I know one person that doesn't like purple, which shocked because I really liked her before she doesn't like purple. She's suspect now. And, but purple, everybody's, when they, when you check with people and ask them what's your favorite color, you'll find most, the majority of people will go for red or blue. Which make purple. Right? Which makes purple. Purple just, it, it just works. It, yeah. It's, it's friendly, but it's red strong, blue is friendly. Purple is both. Yeah. And, and it's, it's it, it, <laughs> as I said, I couldn't turn it green because that's Paddy's style. I couldn't turn it rainbow because that's pride. Yeah. Uh, so I had to turn it something. So I, I looked and there's all the different colors. And in the U.S., for instance, brain injury is green. Right. right? They wear a green ribbon. And they said, oh, boy, you're green. You've got to wear a green ribbon. I said, no, you can't wear a green ribbon. <laughs> That's funny. That means something completely yeah. different. <laughs> it's completely different. And I said, as I'm, I'm involved in a lot of things, I can show fear in our favor. Actually, it was very funny. I was at a meeting. I was at a council meeting, the SBC meeting. I got in at the end for any other business. Christy Bork, thank God, let me in. And uh, I said, yeah, Friday, 3rd of December, you and Internet for Day, people with disabilities, purple lights, put on your social media, do this, do that, do the other. I said, we'll turn the whole place purple. We're all going to wear purple. We want everybody to wear purple, dress purple, part, print everything purple. 
and Keller Driscoll from the Social Democrats was there. And I went, no, Kath, we're not turning into Social Democrats, but we are turning everything purple. And uh, everybody cracked up. His politicians saw it. You know, good, good, a, a fun political joke. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, everybody looks for It's such a simple thing. It looks out like, it, like the Dublin City Council city lights went purple every year. I should be said, oh, they're doing that. I said, yeah, because I forced them into it. Now they realize it's the best color of all. It's the color they use most now. It's purple because it looks, it's a regal color. Everybody loves it. It's regal. It's powerful. It's strong. It's impressive. It just happens to be the color that one of the for the disability community. And um, everybody, I mean, the rocket cashew is a very nice, any condition, right? But when it's in purple, it's time. This year we're getting Roscommon Castle, Roscommon Civil Center, one of the most famous bridges on the Shannon, which I'm allowed to share the news, is the railway bridge in Oklahoma. Oh, yeah? And the railway bridge in Oklahoma is going purple. Check with our trial today. I, I was reading something. I saw something. I was checking bridges. But, uh, the TII started letting me down with the bridges, but I'll get them next year. But I told them that. And something like, a bridge uh, turned red and green for me. Oh, and I went, ah, ooh, he. Request me County Council and Irish Rail. That's no problem. I'm on good, very good. I'm on four same parents as the chief executive. Uh, Irish Rail, I'm on the disability committee, so I don't have a disability user group. And I've done a lot, we've done a lot of the work together. So I go, okay, that's great. Bring up Brown and say, Brown, and I want, I want, I want the Shannon Bridge for purple. Mm. He said, okay, I'll get back to you. So, so four or five hours later, he got back to me. Yeah, bridge is good. I didn't have to draw an aqueduct, which is annoying me, but I'll get that next year. <laughs> How many years have you been doing it now? Uh, I found it in 2018. Yeah. Uh, in about late September 2018, or early October 2018. And I, I got the idea in, in, no, actually I got the idea in mid-October. <laughs> yeah. And I got it together in six weeks. Oh, wow. Uh, 2019 was the last year we were out on the streets. I was out last I was out last year, and this is its fourth year. This is the start of its fourth year. This is for occasions. So it's we're, we're coming up to we're we're coming up to technically three years on our fourth occasion. Yeah, our fourth event. Lakeway Day is uh, it's on its fifth and the fifth event fourth year. It's a year ahead of like, Purple Lights was a year behind uh, Lakeway Day, which is the other thing I got involved in. With yeah. that's how I got involved with DFI and all the rest of it. But uh, it's it's the fourth it's the fourth event, so it's three years. Thank you for your time, Gary. It's been great talking to you. For anyone who is around today, be sure to snap some pictures of any purple lights you come across, or even the best purple ensemble you can find. Post them online, and be sure to get Ross FM in on the phone by WhatsApping them to zero eight three eight five double nine seven four eight. Again, that is zero eight three. Eight five double nine seven four eight. That's all the time we have for today. I hope you had a great time listening. To finish up, here is Home by Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. This is Adam O'Dwyer with Note to Self. Have a great weekend.